Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Super excited to start a new study with you guys today. We're going to be studying 1 Peter. So um, what I thought I'd do is uh, on McGee's schedule, it's verse 1 and 2. So I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 and then give comments about that. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to jump right in. 1 Peter 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are um, elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So let's set the stage here for, for just a minute here, folks. You know, this is First Peter. Now, first, now Peter was one of the original um, apostles. Now, the word apostle means somebody who saw Jesus Christ, okay? To be an apostle, you got to have seen him. Now, um, Paul considered himself an apostle because he saw Jesus Christ too, because he appeared to him. But, but And that gives Paul a, a very special status because he wasn't with Jesus originally, but Jesus came to, to Paul specifically. Now, Peter was, you know, one of his original disciples. They later referred to him now as an apostle, okay? He saw Jesus. So Peter, you know, of course, is the rock that Christ said, you know, you're the rock that I'm going to build a church on. You know, this is the fella that Jesus says, you know, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, protect my sheep. You know, he's he's asking Peter over and over and over to protect the church. And Peter is, I think, um, a very human fellow. And I think, you know, when we just stop for just a minute and take a breath, Peter's a a person that I think we all, in some way, can identify. We can all find something about Peter that we might identify with. Now, Peter's a fisherman by by trade. Now, most of us um, aren't fishermen by trade. You know, now some some people maybe like to fish, but what I'm saying is, is that Peter's a fella whose his faith was always going up and down and up and down. And he was, you know, just super strong for Jesus one minute and de- denying he even knew him 
the next minute. And he's super strong one minute, jumping over the boat, trying to walk on the water. And the next minute, he's sinking, scared to death, thinking he's ready to drown, even though he's in the presence of Jesus. And so, you know, how many of us are sort of have had times like that? We can be super strong in our faith and then just cold. Super strong in our faith or afraid. You know, and when uh, when Paul started his his um, his ministry, <clears throat> we um, were reading that um, he first started out to um, uh, meet uh, Peter, and Peter was at a, a banquet, and Peter was eating at the table of the uh, of the. Um, of the food that was supposed to be clean and of course um he was doing that kind of peer pressure i suppose because jesus has already died and they had already said you don't need to eat at that table and uh so then paul comes in and you know paul's eating at the unclean table and he says you don't need to worry about that so so peter's eating with paul at the unclean table and then the rest of the um, disciples, now apostles, are coming in and saying, hey, how come you're eating at the unclean table? And then Peter gets a case of uh, peer pressure, you know, and Paul has to rebuke him. And how many of us have have been strong for the Lord one minute and, and um, unsettled by peer pressure or embarrassed? The next minute. So this is this is our fellow Peter here. Okay, so a very you know identifiable character here in the Bible, and so Peter starts off. We only have two of the verses that we're studying today, but boy does he pack a lot in to the you know these first two verses. First off, he identifies himself as an apostle. Peter's probably very well known to everybody. You know, everybody's identified Peter. Um, <clears throat> he's an apostle. He's been in the presence of Jesus Christ, and he calls his name Jesus, and he calls his name the Christ. There's no question here. And then he writes this letter. Now, Peter is, my study Bible says that he's in Rome right now. And so he's going to write these two letters, First Peter, Second Peter, and then after that, I think after... First Peter was written, there was a big fire in Rome, and I believe Nero blamed all the Christians for setting the fires, and then Peter writes the second letter, and then Peter gets martyred. He gets executed, because the, um, there was a lot of hostility to the Christians in Rome. So Peter may know that his time is coming, but it makes this letter all the more valuable. It makes this letter to us all the more important and central as we as we read this letter. Now he's writing this letter, he says, to all the the exiles, the elect exiles, okay? Of the dispersion. And what's that mean? Well, these are people who are uh, you could take this a couple of ways. Now, the nation Israel was in exile because you have all these foreign people powers coming in and they're taking the, the the people away to different countries in slavery and bondage 
The Assyrians did it. The Babylonians did it. The Greeks did it. The Romans are doing it because Rome's in control right now. I mean, it's just been one conquest after another. The whole nation of Israel. Just like God said it was going to happen back in Isaiah's time is going to be broken up because of the because of the sins of the of the forefathers. There's only one person that's going to bring the nation back together and that's Jesus Christ. Now, at the time, people were probably saying, "Well, Jesus came and he was if he's supposed to be the Christ and he's supposed to bring the nation back together, how come he didn't do it? How you know, they put him to death." And of course, God's plan was much greater than this. Jesus Christ came to save not only that generation, but the future generations, including our generation and all generations. And when he brings the nation of Israel back together, he's going to bring his own kingdom. He's going to bring his kingdom back. He's the only way that the world finally has peace. Peace on earth and peace with God. So the exiles, the elect exiles, are people... Possibly they're in exile and he's telling them you're in exile because God wills it to be that way. That's why you're a, you know, it's an elect God. God's in control. God's sovereign. If you're reading this letter and you're in some of these other places and these countries that, that he uh, mentioned, these are all sort of provinces in uh, what is now modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. So these are all people scattered. Now, he's also most likely writing these to the Gentile churches there. These are churches that are now young Christian churches. They're under Roman law, but they're still Christian churches there. So he's referring to them, maybe their exile from their home, but on a higher plane he's sort of referring to them as maybe exile from all of the authority and the power of this world this is the church and the dispersion is meaning that God has placed people around he has dispersed his people where he wants them to this is not the people are not scattered because of, the, of of Rome and man's authority. The people are put where God has dispersed them where he wants, according to his own authority. And so he's coming right off the bat, acknowledging the supremacy of Christ and the supremacy of God. We saw this same reference in James talking about the dispersion and when you think about it you are where you are today because God put you there you're sort of that dispersion as well you say well I'm in the country wherever wherever you are whatever country you got born into Whatever family you got born into, you say, I hate my country, I hate my family, I hate this, that, and the other, whatever. You're there for a purpose and a reason. And when you read this from this perspective, you understand that the country you live in, that the city you live in, that the town you live in, the family that you're born into, you are put there for a 
a heavenly, holy purpose. You are put there according to what God says. Okay? And then he drops down, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay? God knows what his plan is. God has put people where he wants them to be put according to his plan and his purpose. Your life has a really high purpose. Being where you are. Now, that's not saying don't work hard, don't move, or, you know, you can never, you know, you have to live in the same house, all that. That's not what he's saying. But he is, is saying that God is in control and that God is sovereign and that everything has been according to the foreknowledge of God and that every one of us hearing this letter that Peter wrote is hearing it with the eyes and ears and the heart to receive it according to the foreknowledge of God as well. God is sovereign over the nations. God is sovereign over the people in the nations. God is sovereign over where the people in the nations have been dispersed. That's all according to His will. And God is sovereign over those hearing His word according to His foreknowledge. And that kind of blows your mind. Because some people will say, well, is God like has God made everybody like a robot? You know? No, it doesn't say that either. But it says God's in control, God's sovereign, and God knows every one of the people that are even hearing His Word. To the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. What's that mean? Well, first off, you've got man hearing his word who's man man is a sinner man deserves to die man is nothing man has no uh, permission man has no uh, uh, ability authority man has no uh, standing to receive God's word on any basis that would improve man's stature. There's nothing that man can do to avoid complete condemnation. Man is a sinful person. And I'm speaking, you know, for men and women, I'm using the, the generic term man in, in terms of mankind. <clears throat> But it's through the Spirit. Now, what's that mean? Well, you take man who's sinful, and then you put the Holy Spirit inside man. Now, man is no longer sinful. Because when you have the Holy Spirit living in man, now man becomes holy and blameless. He becomes sanctified. Sanctification takes means taking something dirty and cleaning it. Man becomes clean. Man becomes purified in God's eyes. That's the sanctification through the Spirit. So none of this occurs without the Holy Spirit 
You don't look at yourself as an elect exile. You don't look at yourself as part of this dispersion with this holy purpose of where you are in time and in history and in geography without the Spirit of God, without the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you know, without the Holy Spirit of God, you can talk about all these things, but you're just a lowly sinner talking about these things. You're just a, a an evil sinner, condemned person talking about a whole bunch of stuff. The Holy Spirit changes everything. The Holy Spirit turns you and me from hopeless, helpless, condemned sinners that are dead in our own tracks into people who can who can claim eternal life who can claim to be holy and righteous in God's eyes now we may not feel holy and righteous because we're not we're we're depending on the holy spirit we're depending on him to sustain us every breath we have is all about the Holy Spirit. And that's the the beautiful relationship that, that we have. God doesn't automatically turn us into robots. No, and He doesn't automatically turn us into angels or sanctified saints. Boom, you're a saint. You believe in Jesus. Boom, you're a saint. No, you're still the smelly, grubby person you are, and I am too. But now we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, and now we depend on Him, His Spirit, in us to sanctify us so that we become more and more like Him. Now our souls are already guaranteed. Our bodies, these are going to die just like Jesus' body died. What's flesh is flesh. Our bodies are going to get sick. They're going to they're going to age. They're going to decay. And yes, we're all going to die. But the spirit is living forever, and that's already settled. Okay, and this is through the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knows who's are his sheep and who are not his. Now that's something that blows my mind and McGee says, you know, I just don't know how God knows. And that's his purpose and that's his plan. He he does what he wants. He's made people who are going to reject him, but it's not like they're rejecting him. He's he's made them that way. So no one really rejects God when you think about it. No one has that power. If somebody's rejected God, God made them that way. God already knew. God had the foreknowledge. So right off the bat, there's a supremacy of Jesus Christ. There's a supremacy of God the Father in every single aspect of how history goes down, how politics goes down. All of human history, all of human decision-making are under the authority of God where you are, where you're born what family you have, the friends you have. That's according to God's dispersion. That's according to God's knowledge. And all of this is relevant, meaningful, because of the Holy Spirit. 
No Holy Spirit, you're down the toilet already. Don't even worry about it. But this is a gift from God to you and me. This Holy Spirit, but this is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's not like God gives you this spirit. God gives you this spirit as a result of what Jesus did. Without what without Jesus sacrifice, you're not sanctified and you do, you have no right to claim the Holy Spirit. So, it's the sanctification of the spirit and then once you have sanctified man, now you're holy and you're righteous in God's eyes. You're under God's grace. You're not condemned every time you fall down or do something wrong. You're under His grace. You're at peace with God because of Jesus Christ's sanctification of you and His Holy Spirit living in you. You belong to Christ. You were paid for. Your sins were bought and paid for. For obedience to Jesus Christ. Okay? So in other words, you're not saved just to do anything you want. You're saved to be washed, to be cleansed from your sins, but also to be changed. To be changed to living a life of obedience to Christ for His purposes and His plans, not your purposes and your plans. His priorities, not your priorities. To be like Christ, to have His humility, not your own pride. So you're, you're, you're as, in a sense, putting your old self to death just like Jesus was put to death. You're putting the sinful life to death. So this whole thing is for you to change your ways and your walk to walk in a manner worthy of the holy calling, the, the righteousness of Christ. Okay? So all of this is irrelevant without the Holy Spirit, and all of this is irrelevant without your obedience. It's not just God doing all the heavy lifting here and Jesus Christ laying down His life so you get the Holy Spirit and you're good. It's you being obedient too. There is a part for you to play, for me to play. He wants our our faith to be active in Him Active to where our lives are changed. You can't have Jesus dying on the cross and that not change your life. Our lives are all sin to start with. So that affects lust in your eyes or pride in your heart or greed in your mind. All these things. It is a continuous reliance on the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ for everything you've got. For every decision you're making. Because he gave his own blood for you. It was his blood. And Paul and Peter gets right down to it. It was his blood that, that, that washes your sins. Because it atones for your sins. It fulfills all law. There is no question about this fulfilling the law. There's no question. He gets right down where rubber meets the road, as McGee says. He's talking about Jesus Christ's death. He died. There's no question. His blood was spilt. But then there's no question that he's alive again because his spirit is there for you and for me. 
And then he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace, God's grace. We are walking in God's grace. This is a gift. The gospel message was given to us free. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift from his grace to you. And when you accept that, that gospel gift that you've got, Jesus Christ dying, shedding his blood for you. And when you accept that in the obedience to Christ, your heart is changed. Your mind is changed. You got to understand that it's, it's how fortunate you are because God knew you were his to start with. And you were worth him dying to start with too. He knew how bad you are, but he felt you're still worth dying for. Isn't that, that just blows my mind. That my Lord Jesus knows what a lousy person I am, but considered me worth him going to the cross for. If not for anybody else, it's a very personal gift. God's grace. And then when we receive that grace, we receive sanctification from his Holy Spirit living in us. Now we have peace with God. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is a personal gift to you from Jesus Christ. Wow. What an opening, um, what an opening powerful um, perspective from this lowly fisherman, huh? So what a good lesson for us to think about today. I pray that you keep your heart centered on Christ and we'll continue our study on 1 Peter tomorrow. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, hope you're doing great. Can't wait to hear what you have to say on this one. Take it away, Matali. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. So um, we are in a new book, a new study. I didn't get to do the introduction <coughs> yesterday uh, because I was waiting to combine it with today's teaching. And, um, you know, the book of Peter you know, Peter was known as the ignorant um, apostle, but there was nothing ignorant about, um, you know, what Peter spoke of. He was with the Lord Jesus Christ for three years, and he learned a lot. And the book of Peter is known as um, the, you know, the the the, the book, the, the gospel of hope. Um, and Peter mostly concentrates on, you know. Um, the suffering, you know, he says um, the Christians are not to think it's strange concerning the uh, fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happens to you. That's in uh, chapter four, verse 12. But, you know, we ought, we ought to rejoice as partakers of the suffering of Jesus Christ. And, you know, this response um, to life is truly the climax of one submission to the good hand of God. So the, you know, Peter means rock. And, um, you know, he didn't think himself, uh, you know, he was called, you know, his name means rock and Jesus Christ called him, uh, you know, like uh, he is a rock, but he didn't think of himself as, um, you know, like as more important, being more important and being uh, better than the others. Um, he, 
he actually did mention we are all little rocks who are, you know, um, planted or, you know, for lack of a better word, on um, Christ's foundation because Christ is our rock and our firm foundation. So, you know, as a Christian, um, you know, we go through trials and tribulations, but let's rejoice in that because even Christ suffered before we actually suffered. And, you know, Peter was writing to the Jewish believers who were struggling in the midst of persecution. And Peter actually encouraged them to conduct themselves courageously, you know, for the person and the program of Jesus Christ. Because, you know, as uh, children of God, we go through trials and tribulations and suffering, you know, for a reason so that we can have, you know, we can switch back and have our attention focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. So today's teaching begins at verse 2. So verse 1, actually, let me just read verse 1 um, of First Peter chapter 1. It reads, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims um, of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So, um, you know, Peter... Uh, you know, in these in 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 these areas that I mentioned, he went and uh, preached the gospel, and you know, this is areas where Paul actually didn't go uh, to because you know, at, at a certain point, Paul wanted to go. I think it was to Bithynia, uh, but you know, the spirit of God, um, you know, it didn't lead him to go to Bithynia because. Paul was covering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ where it hadn't yet been reached. So obviously, you know, in these areas, um, you know, um, the other apostles had already gone there. And Peter here had gone to these, um, you know, had taken pilgrims and taken the word of God to these areas. So verse 2 goes on to read, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace to you and peace be multiplied so here we must recognize that our god is a sovereign god you know god is sovereign like um he um he created everything and um you know he's a you know like um elect according he is elect according to the foreknowledge of god the father so you know this is his universe he created it and god is um, omniscient so he knows everything and he's omnipotent uh, he has all the power so he knows everything he planned everything um, you know many are people who go around um, thinking you know um, they are smarter and cleverer than God and you know you know in all those things but the thing is we didn't have like Dr. Jim gave, gave an example we didn't even have um a say in picking, you know, what sex we're going to be, what race we're going to be, the color of my eyes, my hair, um, you know, all those things. Because God is, um, you know, the foreknowledge of God, the Father. Like He is, He He is, um, He is a planner. So He He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. Um, he knows everything, and um, He has all the power. And many a times we tend to forget that, you know, we are only creatures here on this universe, and um, you know, he has a right to plan for the future. You know, why? Because this is his universe. We're just creatures. So he plans for the future. He is, uh, he is, he has foreknowledge. So he did some planning, which we call decrees today, which we call the decrees. That, and, um, 
you know, at the beginning, um, he had it in mind of what it will be like. So then there was the decree to permit, you know, the fall. That's the fall of Adam and Eve. And then the decree to elect some to salvation. And then the, he decreed to send a savior to um, the world. You know, all these are God's plans. Um, he planned that for the future. Um, he decreed to send a savior um, to the world. And he made a decree that he would save those that actually came to him. So he plans and he makes decrees. So um, he, he, he decreed, you know, to save them. Those are to come to him, the elect. So God knows every plan. And he knows this plan that he's following, you know, and he, he actually, he knows every plan and um, he's following this plan. And why is he following this plan? Because he chooses to do so. It's his universe. He's running things. He's the creator and we are just the creatures. So, you know, if you're not happy about it, tough, you know, get in line, get in God's program. If not, you know, then you're not part of his plan. So he decrees all these things, you know, to save people to, uh, and, you know, whatever we are today, we are by, we are the way we are today or wherever we are today, it's by God's grace. And we should be thankful for it because we actually really don't deserve uh, this much grace, but our God is gracious and merciful. So God has foreknowledge. He knows what he's doing. So where he's going and he knows what he's um, about and uh, he's doing the very best, you know, because our God is a just God. God knows everything, every condition, what is foreseeable and what is unforeseeable. God knows it all. So, you know, we may have, like right now, we have this issue of, you know, the, the COVID-19, the coronavirus. God foresaw it. Like he foresaw it. This was actually going to, um, you know, happen. And, um, and, 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 you know, he 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 is um he has the foreknowledge and here scripture reads um you know elect according to the foreknowledge so god knows everything and god the father in sanctification of the spirit so here um when sanctification is identified with christ as we have said before in our previous study in the hebrews i think yeah it means he is our sanctification and we are complete in him. If sanctification is identified with Christ, we are complete in him and will never be any better when we come, you know, into God's presence than uh, we are this very moment because we are complete, like because he's perfect. We are complete in him and are accepted in the beloved, in the beloved and we can't add anything to it we don't go extra like you know we say oh if i do this then um you know only then will i be complete in christ christ doesn't want god doesn't want any any of um you know our filthy rags he just wants us to go to him and you know when we're sanctified in him we're complete in him and you know that is our position in christ so and when we talk about sanctification of the spirit as it's being talked about here um like in sanctification of the spirit um you know, we are talking about the Holy Spirit in the world that converts us and is responsible for our new birth, but also brings, uh, begins to work in our lives and be, and brings us to that place of maturation and not just staying as a baby. So we tend to grow in um, Christ 
um, if we get indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And that's what is uh, we talk about when we talk about sanctification of the Holy Spirit in the world. So it converts us and is responsible for our new birth. It changes us and it helps us to grow. So it's the purpose of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us down here, to set us aside for that good purpose for God's work. Sanctification is by the Holy Spirit of God and uh, not by, you know, some method today, because we tend to think if we do good deeds, good works and all, um, then we'll be set aside. No, sanctification is by the Holy Spirit. And it's only as the Spirit of God works in our lives with our old nature as we are sinners and we are saved by grace so the holy spirit makes us new we are you know we have you know a new birth and then um here it goes on to read for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of jesus christ so here um we have all the trinity now um you know this statement here, like the statements that we've read, we have, you know, the full trinity. So there's elect according to the full knowledge of God. That's God the Father. Um, he planned it all because he's elect. He has the full, full knowledge and full knowledge. Sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit protects us today, right? Because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that there's obedience. So we have God the Father who has foreknowledge. We have um, the Holy Spirit that protects us and um, today, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ um, that we have, um, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that, sorry, let me just read that again, and for obedience and sprinkling, you know, the obedience, like if we love God, we obey his commandments and we are saved through the sprinkling of the blood, that cross that he died for us on. So how do we know that we are elect, right? How do we know that, um, you know, we are newborn? So if Jesus Christ is our Lord, then we love him. And if we love him, you know, there's that word love. If we love him, he says, keep my commandments. And this is where we have obedience. If you're keeping God's commandments, you're obedient to him. So obedience means that, you know, we obey him and we don't do what, you know, we want to do and uh, call it his will. No, we do God's will. Uh, so we have here the sprinkling of the blood of Christ and his blood had no value as long as it was running in his veins. The value of um, Christ's blood came in when he shed it for us on the cross. So when he was on the cross and the blood was shed, he gave his life for us. He shed blood so that you and I may have life. And that's what we received. You know, we, we may receive that life so that, you know, we don't have to continuously every month go with a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. You know, he was the ultimate sacrifice. So he's speaking to those that grew up in Ju Judaism here. Uh, that's um, the Apostle Paul. So they knew the Old Testament and, uh, sorry, the Apostle Peter, sorry. They knew uh, the Old Testament and Peter is writing to the diaspora, the believing Jews that were there in Asia Minor, um, because Peter preached in these areas that um, was a pilgrim of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. 
So that's Asia Minor, and he is using a statement that they actually understood. So the great high priest, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, on the great day of atonement, that was on the day he was crucified, he took the blood and went into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled that blood seven times on the mercy seat. Okay, that's what uh, they used to, that was the practice of um, um, what they used to do before, you know, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what happened when he came. Jesus Christ has taken now his blood to God's throne that um, looks down on us and we are sinners. And, um, but he actually sprinkled his blood there. He gave his life and the penalty has been paid. And now the throne of judgment is a throne of grace today. So instead of that judgment, it's now a throne of grace that we look up to where we can actually come and receive salvation. So um, this is where we have, we call it the offense of the cross because, you know, um, it's offensive to, you know, the, to our aesthetic appeal, um, you know, the blood talking about, you know, it's, it's gory and, and talking about, you know, the blood of Christ. That's why it's called the offense of uh, the cross. Um, it, it's that, you know, he shed his blood for our sins. It's not pretty, but it's, um, but that's how it is. It's so that our sins can actually be saved. So we need to keep this in mind, you know, that, you know, the sprinkling of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ gave us life, um, gave us eternal life. And um, now the judgment seat has become, you know, the, the, the seat of grace. So um, here the last statement was grace to you and peace be multiplied. So um, grace unto you because of the work of the Trinity. That's, you know, the three Godheads. God had us in mind when Christ actually died. You know, he has foreknowledge. He had us in mind. He's always had us in mind because of the amount of love he has for us. And the Holy Spirit has come to indwell in us. He gave us his Holy Spirit. It's come to indwell in us to make us better people. And Christ shed his blood that we may have forgiveness of sins, that we may be forgiven, you know, our sins. And we just go to Christ, to God. So God can save us by grace. And peace comes as an assurance um, and joy when we know our sins are forgiven. And, you know, peace doesn't come, that joy and peace doesn't come from earthly things and joining cults. And that's what, you know, a lot of people tend to do today. They feel, oh, if I do this, if I join this, you know, I'm going to have that peace and joy that I associate. No, peace and joy only comes from trusting and believing in our Lord and personal Savior who shed his blood on that cross so this book is going to be packed with so much knowledge and so much doctrine and i am looking forward to studying uh more of it and um thank you all for listening in i hope you have a great day god bless and stay safe stay healthy bye-bye